my girlfriend Joanna, she told me, I, I download when I'm driving home, sometimes I'll call someone. And she's like, you know, all that marathon training is doing you really good right now. <laughs> you know, I'm walking around thinning a 95 mask 11 hours a day and you know, it's it's hard and it's it's mentally and physically and emotionally draining and that's exactly what a marathon is you know hello podcast world welcome to episode nine of run chats with ron runs nyc this week i thought i'd bring you something a little different i wanted to do an episode focused on coronavirus specifically with New York City being so hard hit for us and uh, me living in New Jersey right across the river from New York, I had the opportunity to uh, welcome two running community friends to the show who are uh, very much involved in in this uh, battle with corona. Uh, Nisha McQueen works in respiratory therapy at Overlook Medical Center in Summit, New Jersey, and her husband, Tim, works in clinical engineering over at Morristown Medical Center. They're both part of the same health system, Atlantic Health System, and thought it might be interesting to talk to them a little about their day-to-day. Again, Nisha's on the front lines in respiratory therapy. Their group runs the ventilators, and obviously they're getting crushed and slammed really hard right now uh, with corona cases. And uh, Tim's group, Uh, Clinical engineering is responsible for keeping all of the equipment like respirators and all the other uh, critical machinery the hospital health system uses up and running. And when they need repairs or adjustments, it's his group that takes care of them. It was certainly an interesting talk to hear how they're handling things from their individual ends, uh, what the atmosphere is like in their individual hospitals overall, and just what's what it's like for them living with it day to day under the stress, the hours, and then of course coming home to their their family. And the fun part for me was their family was part of this on Zoom, so uh, they were in the living room with this uh, convo going on as well. So I really enjoyed uh, getting to uh, talk with them individually and also meet their children. I thought it was a really interesting conversation, certainly topical with everything that's going on in the world today with Corona and the stress that we're all dealing with with that. So I hope you all enjoy the conversation as much as we did. So let's dive on in and give it a listen. Hello, McQueen family. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. What's going on over there? Hey, Ron. Hey, Ron. Hi. Yeah, well. Hanging out at home for a change. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So we're off the front lines at Overlook and Morristown Medical Center for listeners. We have Nisha McQueen. We have Tim McQueen. And then Nisha or Tim, I'm going to give it to you to introduce the rest of your children who are also here for this episode. Okay. I've got TJ over here. He's 15. Hi. Hey, yeah, TJ. My back behind me. She's 13. And Matt. Okay. Awesome. It's great to be with you all. So I thought uh, in these incredibly stressful pandemic times, it might be really appropriate to do a coronavirus CV-19 episode. And uh, being that you two are both so uniquely qualified and in the front lines um, working and doing the the selfless stuff and, and the sacrificial stuff and dealing with that trauma every day. And 
you're also runners. So automatically, you became a really important uh, get for me to have you on the show. So I think it's uh, super awesome. And I'll start a little bit first with you, Nisha, because working in the respiratory therapy unit for any of our listeners, I mean, those are the areas of the hospital where ventilators are. Um, and anybody, unfortunately, that is familiar with what a ventilator is used for in COVID times should know that that is literally the center of the fireplace, if you will, and the most stressful traumatic area in terms of patient care. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what that's like and, you know, where you work and we could talk a little bit about Atlantic Health overall and, you know, what that experience is like for you. Sure. Um, it actually started out, I'm, I'm not a employee of Overlook. Um, I actually work in a pediatric pulmonary office. And so I do the testing and we diagnose asthma, cystic fibrosis, things like that. Um, but one day a week, I had gotten on the schedule to work at Overlook. And right before everything hit, my manager calls and says, hey, can you help out? You can come anytime next week no problem. And you know, you can work as much as you want. And I'm like, okay. So I show up on Monday and it is literally a war zone and they, they needed me in any capacity. I haven't been in the hospital, um, situation in many years. And they, you know what, they took me in, they showed me around and I hopped in and did what I could. And then I just started getting my skills back up and doing more and doing more. And then they realized, oh, she could probably run an ICU. <laughs> so she threw me, <laughs> threw me in the ICU. <laughs> and, um, you know, I have a lot of ventilator experience because I worked long-term um, pediatric care. Um, they were all on ventilators. Um, I did that for many years. So I'm also very familiar with the ventilators that we borrowed uh, from other other states, other facilities, and um, these have all come in. Tim has checked them all in. That that's his job is to uh, maintain the ventilators, and um, I'm actually an asset because I I know how those work. And um, so it's all just kind of uh, they took me in as family, and I'm uh, working as much as I possibly can and trying to balance the home life too. Wow. That is, um, that's a lot to unpack. Um, so let's just say, first off, thank you. Um, because it's just a huge sacrifice and not having worked specifically in that area. I mean, you had the training of course, but you know, going back into like critical care ICU, like right where it's all going on for Corona, it's, you know, a lot of people would run for the Hills and say, I'm out of here, <laughs> you know, or work a couple of shifts and say, I'm sorry, this is too much. Um, I think the people that aren't maybe, let's say, in the New York uh, metropolitan area, New Jersey, which is where Atlantic Health's five hospitals are, um, they really just don't understand how intense this crisis really is. I don't really think um, really super close friends in our running community that are, are spread around the country or maybe even out of the country, they just don't realize. I think it's very similar to what it was like in Italy for us to try to figure out, like, how bad is it really in Italy? Is it really this bad? And China, no one really had any information. But when Italy, like the whole country was closed and you start seeing their death numbers, it's one thing. But when, when it's happening in New York and New Jersey, like right where we're born and raised, and you see the impact of what's going on, it's it's really, honestly, it's, um, it's traumatic. And you're in that position 
every single day. So for me, I work in healthcare technology. Um, you know, in full disclosure, Atlantic Health has been my client for seven years. So I have a lot of wonderful relationships there. And they're, they're just amazing people, the docs, the nurses, um, the technical people, um, Tim's in clinical engineering. So his, his job is checking out the ventilators and the equipment for the hospital. If he's not doing his piece, that equipment can't go into the rotation and it can't be used. And a, a, a patient could potentially lose their life or, you know, maybe have to go a different route. Maybe they have to be intubated versus being on a ventilator. I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, ch uh, medical choices that are having to be presented versus, versus what could be done. So um, definitely, you know, that's amazing that you didn't just run for cover um, because uh, friends of mine that are in that line of fire like you are, it's, it's really uh, traumatic. And I think, you know, you have the ability to come home and that you're both in that experience. Um, is that something that helps you guys get through it that, you know, Tim is in it and you're in it, Nisha, together? I mean, does that help? I think so. I think so. We can bounce off of each other and they, and he understands, you know, he knows, he knows where I'm at because he's seen it. Yeah. So, and, you know, I know what he's working on. And actually, if I ever have a question, I can just text him, you know? <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, so we, you know, we've actually collaborated a lot, um, and it's it's been good. Um, and you know, the fact that he does understand, you know, where where I'm coming from, I, I think it, it does help because I'll come home and I'll dream about it. So I'm still at work and sleep, and, <laughs> and and then you know, when I come home from work, he's got dinner on the table for me, and it's um, and it's amazing because he gets it. You know, that's that's wonderful. And what about the kids? Are they uh, are they rolling up their sleeves? They're ready to they're ready to help out too. <laughs> if I leave them a list, <laughs> <laughs> you got to give them some bonus points, though, right? If they at least get something done, I mean, right? Absolutely. You know, if I ever leave it on the list, it gets done. So uh, no, they're they're wonderful, and they they take care of each other very nicely. Awesome. And I, and we know uh, TJ's got the uh, art skills because we we saw some posts up on Facebook today. You know, or, or is it Matt? Or am I mixing them up again? I, I keep mixing up the kids' names, so you're gonna have to forgive me on that. <laughs> yes, that's TJ. It's yeah. TJ. Okay, yeah. And and by the way, I see a I see a piano behind you over the shoulder over there. So for the McQueen family, because of all the good stuff you're all doing, my son is a music Chinese major at college, and oh, wow. um, he's been an off Broadway music producer at 20. Um, so his uh, piano skills are. And organ skills and all that are, are like amazing. And uh, he's super talented. So if anybody wants any piano lessons, they're free from, from my son. And he does them via, via uh, Zoom. So any piano lessons, consider yourself drafted. Consider yourself, uh, you're comped. You're on the house. Awesome. Because, you know, she can do happy birthday. And that's about I, it. Yeah. <laughs> myself. Oh, we, we, we got this for you. My, uh, Ronnie sang uh, It's a Wonderful World just uh, for his church. He plays the organ at a church about an hour from his college. And the masses are all virtual and like everything else now. And we can't, you know, we can't be together for any. We can't run races together. We can't go to church together. Um, and I think uh, it's a blessing that you guys have the family. You guys can be together. But, uh, Thank God for Zoom. You know, I couldn't do, I couldn't have this conversation with you and be in your living room with you and um, get to know you all better and say thanks for for what you're doing. And he couldn't do piano lessons for someone who wants to learn music right now or if somebody wants to learn a language. It's it's a wonderful time when we're trapped and you're stuck. Instead of saying like, "Woe is me, I can't do anything." You know what? Figure out something to do. There's always something to do. You can help somebody. You can get up off your rear end. You could, you know, read some books. 
you know, start exercising. I don't want to share the road with anybody because I want more than six feet of room, but I'll, I'll share with you if you, if you're new and you need to come out. So as long as you, as long as you don't, as long as you don't clog the trail up for me, you know, it's okay. You can have some road space. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. So, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about, so you, you weren't working directly for Atlanta, but got pulled into like the respiratory therapy group. So tell everybody like, what does the respiratory therapy group do day to day with patients like intake, you know, talk to us about the involvement, how that works, you know, from day to day. Okay. Yeah. I do actually work for Atlantic health. I just happened to work in a doctor's office. So it was an easy, you know, it was an easy transition there. Um, for respiratory therapy, we're a department, but we're all over the hospital. So anybody who needs any care related to their breathing, basically. So on the regular floors, normally we would do, um, you know, we could do breathing treatments. There are a lot of different um, modalities we can do with COVID. Um, we're not doing that because the aerosolization can, you know, spread the virus and that's not good. Um, what we're doing on the floors right now is um, high flow nasal cannulas, which um, provides a high level of oxygen with flow. And that, you know, you know, the hope is that, you, you know, we can deliver enough oxygen to get them through the whole viral stage and then they can get over the hump and they don't need to be intubated because those outcomes are not great. Um, yeah, so we want to we want to prevent that. Um, another thing we're doing is uh, placing um, the patients on a BiPAP. So we've got, they have them at home. Usually, you know, it's like a nasal thing. This one is a full mask and that provides um, some positive pressure and the oxygen. And that's just a little more, that's one step up. <laughs> And, um, it, you know, again, trying to avoid the ventilator. We don't, we don't want them to be long-term on the ventilator. It, it just, you know, the sedation involved, the medications involved, it just complicates things. So, you know, if we can avoid it, then we try. Um, and, um, and then where I've been working lately is in the ICU where the patients, most of them are on a ventilator or, um, you know, if they're on a BiPAP and, um, you know, they've got the mask on and everything. Um, we're just, you know, we're, we're really just trying to take excellent care of them so that they don't go any farther with it. And then they can get better, improve, and then go back to a regular floor and then continue to heal and get them out of here, <laughs> get them back home. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the goal, you know, so whatever, whatever we can do to make that happen. Um, we draw arterial blood gases, um, which is from the artery, uh, to check their respiratory status and see see where they're at and what we need to do to to help fix it, and um, and that's uh, that's it. Do we just uh, run around all day like crazy people <laughs> trying to help? <laughs> yeah, well, you guys are helping, and you're doing you're doing great work. Tell everybody who's listening at home because I think it's one of those things we we need um, positive emotion because there's so much um, sadness and despair, and I think. One of the things that just uh, it breaks your heart, um, knowing that your mom might have COVID or your wife or your son or your daughter, and knowing that they cannot be with a family member. And I think, again, for the people that aren't really paying attention to this, or or maybe they just don't want to pay attention to it because it's just too hard of a thing to come to grips with, or you know, maybe they're just not at a stage in their life, they're younger, college age or out of college, and they just think, oh, this is really not 
what everybody's saying. You know, you hear all this absolute nonsense where I just want to strangle somebody when they start comparing it to the flu or, or it's not that, you know, just get a grip, people. Do a little research. Find out what's going on. See how bad this really is. And if you knew what these impacts were by your behavior, maybe you'd be a little more socially responsible. Maybe you'd wear a mask. Maybe you'd wear a bandana. Maybe you'd be thinking of other people first instead of yourself and not be feeling like you're inconvenienced because the crush that it puts on our health systems for beds, for ventilators, for all of it, it just all rolls into this like vicious cycle. But on the positive side, so the negative side is that you as caregivers are really the last person these people are going to see, whether maybe they're passing to the other side or God willing, the good part. So that's what I want to talk about for a little bit. When somebody leaves the hospital at Morristown or Overlook or Chilton or Newton or, or um, Hackettstown, you know, they're the five hospitals in your care. Like what is the process like at, say at Overlook or Morristown or actually Tim, you, you're at Morristown. So maybe you can tell us what it's like at Morristown. You know, I, I mainly deal with the medical equipment there, you know, so at Morristown, uh, we have the most ventilators and we've gotten a lot of uh, equipment from the Department of Health in um, to help support us there. Uh, as it goes, I walk in first thing in the morning, I check with the respiratory department and I see what assistance they need. And if there's anything that's down, I, um, I take it back to our department and I We'll repair it there and get uh, turn it around as quick as possible. But then there are other challenges that come up, like we might not uh, have as much uh, humidifiers available that are uh, essential uh, to be used with the ventilators, so that uh, the patients, you know, have uh, heated humidity, um, which helps them breathe, of course, uh, a lot easier. Um, so it, you know, then we go on the scramble of okay, do we have any broken? What do we have uh, laying around? What do we have that we can scavenge uh, out there and get to uh, the departments? Um, so all this uh, at Morristown definitely helps because um, uh, we try to keep as many of the critical care events running as possible because that's actually what is needed with these patients. They need the more sophisticated modes on them uh, so that they can come off a lot easier than, let's say, some of the uh, home care events that have been given to us that have less sophisticated uh, features on them. That's so. critically important work. Um, I'm thinking back to like the Apollo movies and the NASA engineers, and it, you know, if they weren't around to problem solve some of these things and figure out, I mean, at the end of the day, it's equipment and it's mechanical by nature, and it's not like you have months to wait to get the stuff fixed. If you can't turn something around and get it back onto the floor for patients, I mean, that's that's affecting outcomes every day. We were certainly at the critical mass at some point where we ran out of oxygen hoses. So we were making uh, runs to Lowe's, um, and then we were scrambling for the correct fittings that would go on the ends of those hoses um, so that we would be able to put them onto the ventilators. Uh, that were being supplied by the Department of Health. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about the ventilators um, and having enough available, but it's all the ancillary equipment that goes along with it. And you would know being uh, involved in healthcare technology, it's more than just dropping a piece of equipment onto a desk and walking away. Yeah. You know, it has to be configured so that it can be used properly and used properly with the patients. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
you know, when you're there Friday night going, we need hoses and how are we going to do this? You know, mm-hmm. I'm pulling plumbers into the shop saying, all right, <laughs> we need to, you know, uh, go from green hoses to clear hoses. Um, and, uh, we'll figure out, we'll get to the hoses and, uh, I need you to strip every single fitting you can possibly find in this hospital, uh, to, to put on these, you know, not only that there's, um, shortage of flow meters, uh, proper flow meters, you know, having uh, the proper amount of uh, outlets in the hospital to deliver oxygen and air, medical oxygen and air uh, in each of these rooms, you know. And what happens is, is that if there's a problem in the room, then, you know, either uh, myself or someone from engineering will have to go in and, and repair that, uh, which we do get called upon to do. Wow. So there's, that's, um, it's great that the two ends of this, uh, like spectrum that you're both involved in and, and how you're actually helping each other indirectly and directly, um, which you wouldn't think of probably like off the top of your head, you know, clinical engineering and, and, uh, the respiratory therapy group, but wow. I mean, without, uh, Tim's group, you know, things would, would come to a stop quickly and the pressure would just build and, you know, and it, it speaking of valves and pressure, it just, it, it fits, right? Um, and also thinking duct tape. Duct tape solves almost every problem, right? I guarantee you have rolls and rolls of that stuff in your department somewhere, Tim. We, we pride ourselves <laughs> on being able to do the job without duct tape. <laughs> Even better. We love that. Um, so let me go back to you for a minute, Nisha. So when, it, when a patient um, is cleared and it's a happy day in the hospital, like for people at home that don't understand what that's like, what what is that like at Overlook specifically, since that's where you are now? Like what what actually occurs like when a patient is actually going to be released and are leaving the hospital? Like what what's happening right now at Overlook? Um, what I see, see, I see the people who really need me. So when they're getting better, um, the nursing is taking care of them. But what they do, if they go home on oxygen, they will call for home oxygen. I'll bring them a setup. And, um, and they can go home on oxygen and a home care company can meet them there so that they can continue to recover at home, which is great because then they can go back to their families and it's beautiful. Um, you know, but, um, I know at Morristown, every time one is released, they play, here comes the sun by the Beatles. And, um, yeah, and that's, and that's really cool. Um, they don't do that at Overlook, um, yeah, I, I, they'd play it a lot, probably. <laughs> but every time a patient gets um, a breathing tube um, pulled out, every time we extubate a patient, um, and um, you know, and they're and they're good, um, then they will they will play it and announce it. So um, so that's it's encouraging for us. It's encouraging for them. And um, yeah, we got We got to keep positive um, because we see so much negative, and it's um, you know, it's good. It's good. We, we got to find the, you know, the silver lining somewhere. <laughs> we do. And that's, and that's why I wanted to talk about that. Cause you know, music feeds the soul, right. And just, um, it's, it's a win and we all need some wins, um, uh, because you know, it's, it's not a zero sum game and, you know, people don't want to hear how long this thing may stretch out, but it's just, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be a really long time before we can kind of get back to what everybody views as normal and we have to do our part. Um, but we also have to stay in the day. Um, you got to stay in the moment. And that's why as runners and both of you are, and I am, and my show is run chats with Ron runs NYC. We talk running like the lessons we learn in running and the principles we learn in running 
they they serve us so well in times like this when we're in a really rough spot. And you know, I just wanted to you know use this as an opportunity to, to have Tim maybe talk about his accident a little bit because um, you know he can tell us what actually happened to him right outside the hospital and you know, coming through like his own like medical crisis and what that was like, you know, how do you lean on running Tim, you personally, and then Nisha, you can talk a little bit about it for you and like your day to day, how you get through your tough stuff. So Tim, you, you take us out first. Sure. Sure. On uh, January 22nd, I was, um, uh, working at Morristown and I uh, received a call uh, about something that was uh, broken at our ambulatory surgery center. They were about to open up for a case in about 45 minutes, and they were wondering if I could repair something. Uh, in uh, the operating room uh, over there, and our ambulatory surgery center is about a quarter mile from the hospital um, across Madison Avenue and down the road. And uh, so I just uh, picked the tools I thought I would need and the parts and uh, started walking over there. Uh, it's, it's easier than jumping in the car and going through the whole rigor more with parking lot and all that. And uh, it's a great way to get steps in also, you know, and you're, <laughs> so uh, I uh, got my gear and started walking and uh, it's a busy road in front of the hospital and uh, it's about three quarters of the way across. And um, <laughs> next thing I knew I was, I was pushing myself up off the road. Uh, I never ha- heard or saw a car coming. The car um, took me off my feet and I flew over it. I was, I was hit by a car going about 20 miles an hour. Fortunate and lucky for me, there was an ambulance that witnessed the entire accident that was right there at the light making a turn. So they pulled up, they scooped me up off the road and uh, took me to the ER within minutes at Morristown. Um, As I went in, they said, hey, this is one of ours and I received the best care you could possibly get uh, at Morristown. Um, My... uh, my face was smashed in, uh, my nose was smashed in, um, I had a broken jaw. Um, and fortunately I had no broken bones from my neck down. Um, my orbital socket was broken, um, but, uh, and I had other minor fractures in my face, but, uh, otherwise I was, I was pretty good. Um, in fact, uh, the ER couldn't even believe it, so they uh, performed a second CT just to make sure, you know, on that. <laughs> okay, and I'm going to interject here because I showed up in the ER. He probably doesn't even remember. I'm in the trauma room, and the doctors come in, and he's like, so I've got a marathon in 17 days. <laughs> Think I can do it? <laughs> yes. Bon- bon- bonus points with all the Run Chats listeners, Tim. That's huge <laughs> bonus points, my friend. Big time. He just laughed. He goes, yeah, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is just runners. We're just different, man. We're different. We think differently. And good stuff, man. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Sorry, I had to do that. That's fine. No, no, that's great. Because uh, what this same doctor had told me was that if I was 20 years older or not, in the shape that I was in, I would not have survived that accident. And I was uh, in the peak shape of my life, I think. Um, I was ready to run the marathon, um, the Mesa Phoenix uh, marathon. And um, 
I was ready to go. We had just knocked out our last long run, you know, with a little speed work thrown into that. You know, I had done some mile repeats the day before. I hit my numbers. I was feeling great and on fire, you know, and you know that feeling, you know, when everything clicks and you're ready to run that race, you know, and I was there, I was there. And all I could think was, maybe I can run this race with my <laughs> wire shot. <laughs> oh, God bless. Well, listen, for one thing, thank God you were in that shape and you know, the doctor was right. Um, when you're in a, an accident of that magnitude with that much, you know, damage and the concussion forces and all the other things besides the broken bones and, you know, the shock that our body takes, you just don't, you don't come out of those things if you're not healthy. Um, and if you're healthy and strong and runners are, and tend to be very strong, you can, you can make it through to the other side. And, um, you know, it kind of parallels with COVID, you know, for, for unfortunately the people that have asthma and, and they have immune suppressed systems and, um, maybe they're really overweight or other things that are going on, um, diabetes, other, you know, just the many, many different variables that mix in here, it, it can just prey upon them, you know, that much more easily. So thank God you had your health as a runner and, um, you know, just coming back from that, you know, I know that, you know, the spirit that lives in runners to train and to get their work done and the mileage they have to do, whether they got to run before work or they're going to run at lunchtime or dinner, like all of those habits that we have ingrained in us, whether it's you in the respiratory therapy area, Nisha or Tim, you doing clinical engineering to go wherever you need to go and to get your team to get work done. Like that's, that's what keeps us going. That's, That's right. My girlfriend, Joanna, she told me, I, I, I download when I'm driving home, sometimes I'll call someone and she's like, you know, all that marathon training is doing you really good right now. <laughs> you know, I'm walking around thin in a 95 mask 11 hours a day. And you know, it's, it's hard and it's, it's mentally and physically and emotionally draining. And that's exactly what a marathon is, you know? Yes. So, it's all of those things and it's altitude training. That's what I tell my friends now. I say, if I run in a buff every day, which I do, or a bandana, because I sometimes I, I got to give a little run chats, you know, a little advertising for my show. Sometimes I run with my bandana instead of the buff. Um, and it's absolutely much easier with the bandana, obviously, because it's not fully, you know, even though it's up under my nose all the way, you still have that area underneath where you can get a little more flow. But when, when I have the, the buff on fully, and, you know, we got to give Laura a little shout out, a little KFG, you know, Laura Delea, we got to give her a little love. So yeah, I, I wear her stuff all the time. And um, it's just, you know, like, it's a perfect segue into, into her a little bit. And, you know, part of our whole like shared running community experience. And one of the things that I always feel like, I don't know, I struggle with, or it's a little awkward is, you know, how do you put a post out there? You know, if you're sending meals over to your group or something like that, it just seems like, you know, it's not the right thing to do. It seems silly, but for somebody else to do it, it feels wonderful because they received it and they're, you know, kind of giving the love back or sharing the love back. So it just feels, it just feels more natural and it feels good because you want to be humble in life. You don't want to be like, Hey, look, look what I did for these people. That's, that's not why you ever want to do any kind of good deed in life or do something selfless. And when I saw Laura's post specifically writing about you and how much in the mix you were, and, you know, she showed her post with uh, the KFG buffs and how she'd sent them over to Overlook. It just, it just made me feel better because she's doing the same things as me and you, you have to, you've got to put it out there. If she hadn't done that post, 
I would never have reached out to you. I was struggling for weeks, like literally not sleeping. You know, my mom is with my younger brother. She has lymphoma. She gets treated at Morristown, has the best care in the world from the photophoresis unit. So another shout out for Atlantic and Morristown and um, Jocelyn, the great doctor. And those people over there are just amazing. And they've, they've kept her going. Um, and she's feistier than all of us put together. So you can't stop her anyway. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like that that spirit, you know, that will just to, you know, to kind of keep going and to keep moving. And, you know, that's, that's what we need. You know, that's what we need in these times. And, um, you know, so when Laura did that post and I, I saw about you and I've been struggling like so mightily, like, what can I actually do? There's gotta be something I can do. I run, I run a lot of miles. What the hell can I do? And, you know, like I can't do a charity for American Cancer Society. There's no race or anything like that. I said, you know what? People do GoFundMes every day. I'm going to do this. I don't care if I get $50, every dollar I get, I'm going to send meals over to amazing people like you, people that are in the front lines that are doing this work that deserve our love and respect and our admiration. And I know that if it were me and it was a pizza or a sandwich or whatever it is, but I didn't have to think about it and it just showed up, I know that would be kind of nice. And, you know, so by Laura's post, it started the whole thing. I already was going to do something. I just didn't know what. And I just said, okay. I can do this. I can still share what I'm doing. There's nothing wrong with doing it that way. But if I take this in, in a more public light and I put some attention on you and some of the other people that I know specifically that are doing this thing that are in the fight, right? That's my thing. Stay in the fight. That's my hashtag for my podcast. And I have to tell you, when a time when people don't have money, when people are laid off from jobs, when people really don't know where they're going to get their next paycheck, people are donating a lot of money. And it might be $5 from one person and $26 from someone else because of a marathon, right? But it's it's just shows you that there's goodness out there, that people actually care. And um, to see the look on, you know, your faces in your department or Sid's department over at um, over at Morristown, and soon to be, um, you know, Tim, you probably set up the COVID unit over at where ARI used to be. I'm sure you set all the equipment up over there. I'm going to add them into the mix. I also have a dear friend, Anna Johnson, who um, ran in the Olympic trials was over at Memorial Sloan Kettering. So I was doing some stuff with her. You know, the money is coming in. Every single dollar of that is going to go not only to meals, but to on-the-go healthy snacks. And, you know, it's a, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And um, so, I, you know, I got had to have a way to work Laura into the conversation because she's doing so much, you know, giving buffs to frontline people. And I know Roberta's going to run a marathon. Our girl, Roberta Groner, is going to go you know, do something to help um, Laura raise money too and get more stuff to frontline people. So I just think if we could all figure out some way, some little way, just to, you know, say thanks, tip your cap, um, send a note, send a card. It doesn't have to be about money, you know, just let people know um, that we appreciate what you're doing. So um, that's that was the whole reason I got my GoFundMe thing like off the ground. And um, unfortunately now I have to run five more marathons. So we'll, we'll, have, to f we'll have to figure that part out, but we'll, we're going to get it done. I may have to walk a couple of them, but it's not the end of the world. I mean, you know, I'll just put some David Goggins on and I'll be, you know, I'll figure it out. It'll be all good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so um, let's talk about how do you see this evolving, like where, where it's at? I mean, do you think it's improving at all or do you think it's just kind of pretty much status quo? Like how do, how do you see it from your side? From where I'm at right now, it is not letting up. Um, we still, you know, for every, you know, 
we're at 80 ventilators, we'll get down to like 72. And the next day we're right back up again, because, you know, the people who are on the regular floors, they crash, they head back down, they, you know, we're going up, we're going down the people. (laughs) Um, and, and they're still coming in. So, um, I, I, I don't know about the numbers. I've had the weekend off. I'm not sure. Um, but as far as I know, you know, it's, it's really not letting up yet. And, you know, just so people know, I mean, it's, it's affecting, you know, any age group, it affected one entire family, you know, you know, the kids are in their twenties, you know, it's, um, it's not just an old people thing. It's not, um, it, it could be anybody. So, you know, you need to protect yourself. You need to protect yourself from others because, you know, who knows? Yeah, you might have already gotten it, but this person didn't and they could die from it, even though you don't. So, you know, it's just for right now, you need, we need to be careful around each other and, um, and show the love, which, um, you know, the love and the caring and compassion. And that's um, what I see at the hospital a lot is, you know, yes, they're locked up They're You know, they're in a separate room. It's negative pressure. Um, and, and they're in there by themselves and their family can't be there, but we, there are some incredibly great people working there. Otherwise they, you know, we wouldn't have this job if we didn't care. So, um, you know, just know that, the healthcare workers, you know, they, they do care and we are, you know, we're real, we're real people and we are there and we're not family, but, um, but we, you know, we hold their hand and we, you know, we talk to them and, you know, it's, it, it's okay. You know, it's, it's what we can do. You know, we do what we can. Well, it's, it's beautiful work and, um, it's selfless work. It's, it's, you're under pressure. It's traumatic. You're under stress. And you're the last line for those people. They can't hold their own family's hands anymore. They can't talk to their own, you know, family members. And um, I love that you put that out there because I could be running with my friends socially and being 10 feet away right now. I mean, I'm, I'm the social runner. I'm the organizer of group runs. I have not run a step with any of my friends in over five weeks. I miss my friends horribly, terribly. I could send a message out right now and say, I have five more marathons to do for this fundraiser to get more heat and light attention so we can feed more healthcare heroes like you two and other people and other departments that we haven't even found yet. We're going to do more. And the more we do, the better we're going to feel about ourselves because you you give, you get 20 times more back. You give one little thing, you get 20 times more back. You always get more back by giving, whether you know it's of your time. Um, it's It doesn't have to have anything to do with money at all. It's just about you know, looking out for other people. So I haven't seen my mom or my son or my brothers or anybody because we were all isolated before this all happened. And my mom's had lymphoma 30 years. So I, I'm not going to risk, you know, going to see my mom at any distance. I mean, or my son, I, I just wouldn't do it. And I think those are really hard sacrifices to make, but it's the right thing to do. And you have to, you have to do this and, until we learn more, until we figure out more information, until we have a vaccine and none of that's going to be happening, you know, anytime soon. So we got to, we got to do what we got to do. Right. Yep. Yep. Things could be so much worse right now. You know, they could be, they could be. And we're lucky. Um, we're lucky that you two are doing the great work that you're doing. Um, we're lucky that the healthcare system Atlantic specifically in New Jersey does wonderful things. Uh, my friend Anna's doing great things at Memorial Sloan Kettering, and we're gonna we're gonna do some work with her and um, anybody. So anybody who's gonna listen to this show, who um, who knows Nisha and Tim, anybody in the running community, 
who listens to my show, Run Chats, um, you hear this episode and you hear these two awesome people talking and their family, um, and you work at a hospital or a health system anywhere, you hit me up. Find me on um, Instagram, Ron Runs NYC. Find me on Facebook, friend me, send me a message, tell me where you are, tell me what your department is. And if we have you know $50 left, you're getting food. If we don't have any money left, you're still gonna get food somehow. We're, we're gonna get you something, snacks, food, whatever, it's, it's going to happen one way or another. So, um, you know, let's spread the word of like what we're trying to do, um, through, um, stay in the fight, feed healthcare heroes, you know, I'll, I'll tag all that stuff up in the show notes and, you know, Nisha and Tim, you know, you got to share this with all your friends and all of our run community friends and, you know, all of those people there, you know, just let them know all that stuff. But, um, anybody out there, even any, you know, any other hospital anywhere, um, you know, as long as, there's any funding in there, it's, it, it's going to go. And, um, you know, please, you guys let me know if there's anything specific. Um, right now we're just doing food stuff cause I want it to be very simple and be very specific. But if there's something else, I know, I know I can't get any valves for you, Tim, because that's more my brother Ray. He's the mechanical car. He used to build car. He still could still build car engines and race cars and whatnot. So we could, we could certainly get him involved and I'll make sure that you guys meet when we're allowed to all be in the same room together up close. Cause, uh, you guys will hit it off right away. Cause he's the, uh, he's the family engineer guy who broke everything as a little kid and put it back together and actually could still make it work. So, and that's, that's, cool. yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how else do you learn? I mean, that's the best way to learn how to be an engineer. Right. I mean, it's like, just, you know, break it. And then I'd be like, wait, that's not how we put it together. And he's like, well, it, it works. I'm like, Okay. You know, we used to call it fagazi, you know, like a little fagazi, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but if it works, it works, right? And the most important thing is that was always, that was always the end result. He's uh he's so talented. An awesome brother too. He works with me uh with AHS. So, what from either of you two or something family related, anything on either of your minds, you know, we covered a lot of interesting stuff, things that you're doing for us that we're so appreciative of. Anything at all that you could think of topically you want to cover before we roll out of here? You know, uh, it'd be nice to be able to work and run again. You know, Uh, we really miss just that stress relief after, you know, when you're you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get the run in today, but you still do. Yeah. Really love to have that opportunity again we're just uh we're putting in so many hours that i just uh i want to keep my energy for that for for work you know but uh the running community has been so strong and so supportive of of us with my accident and and uh us both working so much in the hospital systems um we really appreciate them we love them so much uh and uh this summer i would like to hold um our summer 16 miler from my house and uh, would love to invite you to come out and run with us, uh, Ron. Um, we're going to name it the uh, hotter, hotter than hell summer 16 because last year uh, we started at eight o'clock in the morning. I swear it was the hottest day in the summer and the most humid. Um, 15 people who started, uh, three finished. Um, oh. <laughs> and uh, Roberta was one of those, by the way. She, um. she, Make it, you know? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to mess with Roberta. Like it's, you know, yeah, there's, there's people that challenge to anything in life. And if running is involved, just like, just mail it in, you know, don't, don't be trying to throw down against Roberta. You will lose. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome stuff. I would love, love to be there. And, um, 
one of my favorite things, one of the whole, really the kind of the whole reason to start this whole show, the reason it's called Run Chats is because, you know, to go and runs with your friends and, you know, you're on the trail, like you're talking about that 60 mile run. It's the inane, silly, just completely meaningless conversation um, that you talked about unloading Nisha, you know, from a shift with your friend. Like, I don't even know if we know what the value of that really is in life because it it's... um when I talk to my friend Margie and it's not talking, when you say talking nowadays, most times that's texting, right? Because, you know, it's half to some of the, in Corona times that could be two 30 in the morning and we're awake. I mean, n- there's no normal hours anymore. We don't even know what day it is. And she's texting me about patients and body bags and, and trauma and stress. And I don't even feel like I'm doing anything for her or helping her in some way, but yet you are helping her because it's a way for her to just like get that off of her own chest and out of her own system. And, that's what running gives us. Those those trail runs where God knows the things that we get involved talking about. It's completely crazy. It's way out of bounds. It's the it's the saying, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, yeah, what happens on the run stays on the run because some of it, you know, frankly, you don't really want anybody else talking about. But those runs relieve stress. They make us laugh. They make us smile. And maybe even sometimes they make us cry. You know, maybe somebody's died or it could be even my dog is sick in the hospital right now, which you guys both know. So whatever, all this emotion that we're processing, um, when we're in a tough spot, you know, we lean in our community and the running community is the most magical place. And um, like I said, Laura's post writing about you and what you were doing, you know, that spurred me to contact you. I was already doing those things anyway. I just hadn't met you or or Tim or anybody else. And, you know, if we all see something like that every day, and instead of, you know, thinking why somebody did it or didn't do it and just saying, hey, I can do something like that, or I might be able to do something like that, we'd all be going in a, in a better and a more positive direction. Because when you take action in life, and we got the McQueen kids are doing stuff right now during the podcast. We got drawings going on. We got all kinds of stuff happening in the background. I mean, they're doing stuff. So everybody out there, what do I always say? Get out the door, lace them up, get your miles in. Tim just said it. He killed to be able to run some miles. Everybody who's at home feeling crappy and miserable and they've gained 25 pounds and they're complaining about life, get out the door and go run some miles and then come back to me and complain because you got nothing to complain about, okay? Tim can't even run right now because he's working so many hours and neither can Nisha. So guess what? Run some miles for them. And I got five more marathons to go. So I got over 100. I can't do math. Was that 125? I don't know. Something like that, right? Yep. I don't know. <laughs> something. It's in the ballpark, right. you know? And I will say, I've ne- I never regret a run. You know, it always makes me feel better. I love so, it. I love yeah. it. I mean, the, yeah. the truth is that it could be the worst possible start to a run, but you'll almost never, the only way you'll ever hear the worst ending to a run would be if you actually got hurt or something, you know, maybe you tripped on a trail and really hurt yourself. And even then you, you might think it's an amazing thing that happened anyway. You might not be like, Oh, like Tim's run, 16 people started three finished. I guarantee you that's lore. That's legendary running stuff. Like I want to, I want to be the fourth person to finish that run. And if I don't finish it, I'll be like, okay, you know, this run, kick my ass today, man. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't cut it, man. You know, it was just too tough, too, too hilly, you know, too many mosquitoes, whatever. I mean, when you think about all the things in life that we all, if this thing has taught us anything, it's just like how many things in life we take for granted every single day, the simplest thing in the world, just be able to go up and hug somebody that you see in the building, walking out, 
changing shifts in the hospital. Like I've run past people and like instinctively went to high five them. No, you can't, you can't do that. You can't make contact. And it's such simple little things in the course of a day that when you can't do them anymore, you start realizing just how much they really impact our lives. And we need human contact, man. If you don't realize that by now, if we can't go up and hug somebody and just tell them you love them or tell them you miss them, and even if they're not your favorite person, man, it's just still, it's like, hey, you know, because right now it's me and Coco and guess what? There's no Coco. It's the first time I have to worry about if Coco's going to be barking. Right now during this episode, she would have jumped on top of this chair like 31 times because she'd be like, why is he talking to these people and turned around in the other direction from me? I don't understand. But no Coco tonight. So everybody out there, send Coco some love and some good vibes because she's overnight in the hospital in New York City. We got to get her healthy so she can be back as my assistant on the show. All right. Well, listen, it's been awesome having you two on. And actually, not you two, the whole family, the McQueen family, part of the episode. So thank you guys for for being part of it and appreciate you uh, spending the time with me. And, uh, you know, God bless and be safe. Both of you guys, I hope um, everything will continue to go well for you and you'll be okay. Um, all the best to you both. Thanks for coming on the show. And I always close out the show with peace out and always remember to stay in the fight. Stay in the fight, Ron. Thanks <laughs> for right. everything. Great talking to you guys. All right. All thanks right. for all Thank the love, guys. man. Yeah. Wow, that was so much fun talking with Nisha and Tim getting to know the both of them and their children a little bit better. Um, such a fun experience being able to do it via Zoom and uh, be in the living room with somebody and uh, have their children involved too. What, a, what an interesting fact to learn on Nisha's side that she was trained in respiratory therapy and was primarily doing pulmonary function testing on kids in a pediatric office and had not done ICU critical care in 14 years. And you know, it's as typical of what is going on right now, you know, it needs to be all hands on deck. And there's people who run away from these kinds of opportunities and stress. And there's people who run forward and say, you can count on me, uh, take me. So they started throwing her into the fire. She was handling things well, and they realized what an asset she would be. And boom, the next thing you know, she's right there in the respiratory therapy unit, you know, running ventilators for COVID patients you know, right in the fire. So kudos to Nisha for jumping in there and really uh, becoming a key asset uh, on the team over there at Overlook and really uh, helping out in, in such a huge time of crisis, such a, such a selfless thing to do. And uh, how about Tim's story uh, with his accident, walking out literally across the street from Marstown Medical Center, for anybody who's from the New Jersey area, shout out to Jersey folk, um, that's Madison Avenue. It's obviously an incredibly busy thoroughfare there, but you know, boom, he gets hit by a car, flipped over, end over end, and thank God the ambulance, uh, the way he described it, was literally pulling out or pulling in. I can't remember which one, but they basically did not have a patient in there at that point. We were able to get him loaded up and get him in and you know, on the table immediately on a gurney and start treatment on him, thank God. And uh, it was chilling to hear um, how if he wasn't an incredibly healthy, fit individual with uh, obviously a runner's body and a, and a runner's fitness level, that the damage could have been a lot worse or he may not even made it through. So of course, with our show being all about running, it's just once again, validation for all of us that what we're doing is gonna help us. And you know, I think if anybody's paying attention to the studies, 
it's very, very clear that runners and people that are really healthy, that are that are fitness uh, focused and exercising, are going to be in far better shape if somehow they should contract uh, corona. And God forbid that doesn't happen to you know any of the listeners here. But anyway, some really interesting uh, takeaways. I enjoyed hearing about their day to days, what they're up to, and how they you know manage the stress of it all and deal with their family. But I can't tell you how much I appreciated them coming on the show. Um, we're right in the middle of this crisis here. Um, New York City gets all the attention being the epicenter, but New Jersey is absolutely being crushed as well. And we're so close together. I mean, I live in Weehawken right on the river. I could, you know, take a ferry ride across in four minutes. So there's not a whole lot of separation between New Jersey and New York. And and clearly these are the two hardest hit areas at this moment um, that, that are basically, we're under attack. So I really appreciate them coming on and sharing some of their day-to-day, the sacrifices they're making as a family to help us. We appreciate it all. And the fact that they're runners, it's just huge kudos to both of them. No question it helps uh, with the discipline and, you know, handling just the uh, the fatigue and the uh, the stress that they're managing. Um, I felt bad for Tim because he was saying how much he could use to time out there to get some runs in. And who could, who could blame him? I have no doubt that if they were both able to squeeze a couple of runs in here and there, it would certainly help uh, with the stress load. But anyway, it was a wonderful experience for me getting a chance to talk to them. I hope you all had some fun takeaways from this episode and just appreciate um, the service and uh, you know what they're offering and what they're doing as all of our healthcare heroes are doing around the world. Um, obviously, not just here in New Jersey, New York, but around the world. We appreciate the sacrifices each and every one of those frontline healthcare workers and anybody on the frontline period are committing to and doing for us at these uh, incredibly stressful times during the pandemic. So if you enjoy the episode, Please take a moment to um, write a review, write a comment, uh, score the episode, share it with your friends on Instagram, on Facebook, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it helps us find new listeners to the show. And any of our any of your running friends out there that work in healthcare, I'm sure they'll enjoy uh, having an episode like this, listening to uh, colleagues that are in the business uh, that are focused on the day to day. So anyway, I hope you all are keeping safe out there. I hope you're continuing to lace them up, get out the door, grind your miles, even if you don't have any races and we are not going to have any for a long time. We can still keep ourselves healthy. We can still work on our mental game and we can still help manage our stress. I I mean, just listen to the words of Tim, how much he would appreciate being able to get out there and run right now. He wanted to run a marathon in 17 days after he was uh, laying on the gurney there in the emergency room. That was a funny uh, little anecdote that Nisha shared with us. Anyway, thank you all. Appreciate every single person that's taken the time to write a comment or a review on Run Chats. Everybody that's subscribing to the show, please share with more of your friends. I appreciate uh, every single one of you who takes the time to do all of those things. So I wish you all well and just want to say to everybody, peace out and always remember to stay in the fight. God bless everybody. Be safe.